Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Film Club Podcast, where every week me and Miss Boo take turns picking films to watch and talk about. Some are good, some are bad, but they are always fun at the Film Club. Boo, how are you? I'm doing good today, Dean. How are you doing? I'm doing really good. It's one of my picks this week. It's also the last pick. It is also the last pick of our Cinematic Heroes Month. And uh, this pick, I forgot how much I loved this movie. Oh, Uh, I know. You're smiling ear to ear right now. Yeah, I was like this the entire watch. Uh, The movie we're going to be watching today is Richard Donner's 1978 masterpiece called Superman. Starring Christopher Reeves, Margot Kidder, Gene Hackman... Yeah, this movie is fantastic. It is. It was really good. I enjoyed watching it the entire time. It's been a long time since I watched it. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people I've talked to are like, I haven't seen that movie in years and years and years. I mean, this was the gold standard of superhero movies oh, yeah. until the Marvel movies took off. And I still think that uh, the original Superman outdoes the vast majority of the Marvel films. In, in my perspective. I just, I really like how it's put together. I think yeah. the performance in here is fantastic. I think the story is a lot of fun. And it actually captures that mythology of Superman as a character, which I some mean, of the Marvel films we, miss. We go back to Smallville. We go back to Smallville, Krypton, Brando's in this. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Um, but yeah, do you want a little bit of context of when this movie came out? Or... Yeah, absolutely. What was going on in the world in 78? Well, what was going on in the world is Superman was topping the box office like a champ, but it was only beating out the number two spot by like uh, like one million dollars, and it was Greece. Greece was Greece almost took Superman out wow. in '78, but Superman held strong. Uh, the number three at the box office of that year was also National Lampoon's Animal House. Oh, another good movie. Oh no, '78 was an amazing year. Man, you know what else came out in? Uh, 78 called the deer hunter because that won all the academy awards or it won your favorite actor christopher walken his first oscar no no i i think there's a movie that i love that came out in 78 oh i believe it's halloween there you go the highest grossing independent film at the time yeah man 78 really was the year for movies it was the year for movies if we were around in 78 we wouldn't have gotten out of the theater i mean how could you not with superman grease animal house halloween you also get big film debuts you get karen allen who you might know as marion from raiders of the lost ark another movie we watched this month yeah that's right kevin bacon makes his on-screen debut billy crystal makes his on-screen debut john malkovich makes his on-screen debut no like 78 was a solid year in film yeah and superman stood head and shoulders above it all i'm surprised you're not wearing your superman shirt today i would but it's in the wash ah so that's the world superman gets released into right and also, there was no superhero genre of films no. up to that point. Like the Batman TV show and the Batman movie was in like the 60s. Yeah. And I think we can agree, though those were good representations of the Batman comic books. Mm-hmm. They were not exactly great movies. No, they're fun movies. They're fun, yeah, but they're not... Mm-mm. this no this is a superhero movie this is a superhero movie and christopher reeve is the perfect personification of superman that actually gets to like one of the first things i want to talk about which is the, the performance of christopher reeves because he's the linchpin of this film he is superman yeah which is kind of crazy because at the time this movie was in production hell mm-hmm. 
they went to every available male actor in Hollywood to try and get them to play Superman. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Charles Bronson, Sylvester Stallone, Muhammad Ali was the producer's first pick to play Superman, and he had to be talked out of it. Mm -hmm. Also, Ali did not want to be in this movie. Yeah. Other reasons. And then they find Christopher Reeve, who was a completely unknown actor, and he is perfect in this movie. With all due respect to Henry Cavill, he is the definitive Superman. Oh, yeah. And I, I wonder, do you think there will ever be another person who can play Superman as well as Christopher Reeves or better? No. No? No. Full I mean, stop. I, I love Henry Cavill. I love his interpretation of Superman. But when I think Superman, I think of Christopher Reeve. Yeah. And it's kind of like the same territory that we were talking about in our Captain America episode where I really can't picture anyone being Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. So I think they're on that same playing field where... There's really only one, and it's not because they came first. It's just that performance was so solid. I mean, with um, Robert Downey Jr., he's the first on-screen or Mm -hmm. movie portrayal of Iron Man. Christopher Reeves, there was a history of actors playing Superman before him. The TV show. The TV show, the serials, Mm -hmm. the radio plays. There were Supermans after him, Brandon Routh, Henry Cavill. But he is still maintained as the best. And this movie is where it starts. So, what, what's your favorite scene? Let's see. Uh, favorite scene or favorite scene of him acting? We'll, we'll do both. This, we got time uh, okay. podcast. Favorite scene, it's, it's kind of torn because it's that first scene where you see him flying. And oh, then, yeah. And it's just like, oh my god, that that's Superman. He's in, taking flight. In the, in the Fortress of Solitude or when he saves Lois Lane? Uh, in the Fortress of Solitude. When he yeah. leaves, it's just like, wow. I mean, let alone the John Williams music for this movie. Iconic. Iconic. John Williams has scored most of our lives. You, you know, I still get the chills hearing his music, mm-hmm. the, the Superman theme. I mean, a lot of his movies. But there's just something about the Superman theme that just resonates. Mm-hmm. But also his acting with saving Lois when, you know, there's the helicopter accident and it's just, that part is just, wow. You know, he saves her. He's got her in one arm and he's got the helicopter in the other arm. And he's just very coolly with, you know, hey, come help these guys out. And he just takes off. Uh, well, it, he doesn't just take off. She, he's, he looks at Lois and he's like, you know, flying is statistically the safest way to fly. And then she's like, who, who are you? And he's like, your friend. A, a friend and just flies off. Yeah. And it's like, it's the charm there, mm-hmm. that natural charisma. And it's just perfect that and also from his acting it's after he takes her flying oh uh, yes that part and to when he comes to pick her up for their my, date my favorite my favorite scene in the entire movie because without dialogue without any wink and nod of the camera you see an actor go from being clark kent mild-mannered reporter to superman mm-hmm. in without any camera trigger without any special effects mm-hmm. just an actor playing to the audience and then go right back to it yeah, for a it, real reason it's so good and it, it's so bizarre seeing him you know stretch up and puff his chest out and it's like oh my god that's superman and you know just the voice you know the you voice know, deepens like an octave. Yeah, and then he's kind of like, oh, I'm not really ready to reveal. So he just shrinks back down and cracks his voice. It's just like, wow, you did that all in one take. Yes, it's like, so good. I don't think there's ever going to be another Superman like this. Mm-mm. Just because 
again, it goes back to the writing to this movie because there was a murderer's row of screenwriters on this. Yeah. I think I think last I saw there was seven screenwriters who worked on this. Mario Puzo was one of them, the one of the co-writers for The Godfather. Oh. He he also wrote the original <laughs> book The Godfather's based on, by yeah. the way, if you if you're wondering. You have that book, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah. And it's interesting because Christopher Reeves is playing these char- this character and there's a lot of interpretation to the mythology of Superman. Mm-hmm. Cuz let's be honest, in by in 1979, Superman was already a staple of the world. Oh yeah. Everyone knew what a, who Superman was, everybody had their own vague idea of the origin story, maybe not the whole continuity, but they knew Superman, they knew the basics but I mean, of Lois Lane, Lex Luthor. Way way back to when the first Superman comic book came out. Yeah. Everyone's known Superman since then yeah and it's it's fascinating because this movie comes out in 78 and it takes all the stuff that came before it smallville uh his relationship with lois lane Mm -hmm. lex luthor takes all this stuff throws it into this kind of melting pot smooths over some stuff emphasizes this add add a dash of kryptonite in there dash of kryptonite and it just works you get the entire scope of superman as a character a concept and a story all in one thing because he's a big blue boy scout that Mm -hmm. is objectively perfect doesn't drink doesn't smoke doesn't drink doesn't smoke there's nothing wrong with him and i said this in captain america you know steve rogers is a flawless person and, you know, oh, does it kind of mess with the story when they're, we have a flawless character and there's no nothing for him to triumph over? And in this, we have a flawless character, and it, it's perfect. It yeah. just works. But, yeah, I can rant and rave about this movie all, all day. I, I love this movie. I grinned ear to ear watching it the whole time. You still are. I am. This movie's great. Where do you want to jump to next? Oh, uh, let's jump to characters. Character? We already talked about characters. Or do you want to talk about the greatest interpretation of Lex Luthor on screen? Exactly. Uh, and Mr. Gene Hackman. I love Gene Hackman. Oh my god. Him in the conversation is fantastic. Him in this is fantastic. The birdcage. The birdcage. French Connection. The guy's a, the guy was in an ama- is an amazing actor. Yeah. But yeah, and I think that's an interesting thing about Lex Luthor because I think a lot of people today envision lex luthor as the rich businessman mm-hmm. who is also this super evil genius but lex luthor was a mad scientist for forever and this movie made him a bond villain yeah he is the best bond villain that's not in a bond movie and him with his new california his new california will have you know lex town lexville otisburg otisburg ah <sighs> i just also this movie is way more funny than i remembered it Oh, yeah. That's why I thought, I'm like, oh, it's just going to be like a straight action movie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, it's got some good comedy. It's got some heart to it. Mm-hmm. We have, you know, the the tragic loss of Pa Kent. Oh, John Kent, mm-hmm. which that is where I think Man of Steel failed, where this movie just got it. Right? Because in Man of Steel, he gets, what, picked up by the tornado? Yeah, um... I, again, this is another thing. I, I think I mentioned this on one of our episodes. I grade movies by comparing and contrasting them to other movies I've mm-hmm. seen. And it's a little unfair comparing Man of Steel to this movie because the movie's you know, a masterpiece. Yeah. But in Man of Steel, John Ken, he goes, saves the dog, and he's about to get picked up and taken away by the tornado. And 
Clark Superman is like, I can save him, but that would mean revealing to everybody mm-hmm. that I'm, you know, a, a an alien. And John Ken is like, no, no, like say, like don't do that. I'll I'll take I'll die for it. Yeah. And he dies. Whatever. Which makes the death of Pa Kent a little weird because it's not Clark being unable to save his dad. It's his dad choosing to die for him. Yeah. And it's a weird, like, sacrificial, like, concept thing going on where in this, we we see the relationship of Pa Kent and Clark Mm -hmm. and it's, you know, very, like, normal, good, happy, you know, all-American upbringing. You know, it's a very interesting, you know, father-son dynamic and he dies of a heart attack and the thing clark says is i have all this power and i still couldn't save him yeah which is the heart of why john kent needs to die yeah and i mean we see it it foreshadows in the beginning of the movie because clark saves him when the truck's about to fall on him when he's changing the tire Mm -hmm. he lifts the truck up you know because john kent's like no i don't know if we should keep this kid and boom truck collapses and there's little Clark holding the back end of the truck up. So which, it's like, which is a great scene. It's great. It's cute. And then, you know, we jump years later to, he can't save him. Yeah. And that's the thing. Cause it's Superman ostensibly is like a God mm-hmm. on earth. And, you know, the mythologizing yeah. of like character. Hercules, basically. Yeah. Hercules, demigod. He's yeah. Hercules where he has all this power. He can do whatever, but people around him are still fragile. Like mm-hmm. he is not, god he is a he is a man that has extraordinary abilities yeah and he is out to save people and those who cannot be saved he understands that because he couldn't save his dad it's the thing where it's this immortal and needs to protect these mortals it's a very interesting thing that and just uh you know just to go back to characters and and performances in this film I think one of the strongest performances that Christopher Reeves puts out is when Lois dies. Oh, yeah, where he has that breakdown and, you know, yells, goes up. Because you get the whole range of his, he sees this, he's sad, the emotion of loss, and he fights with everything to bring her back. And it's it's amazing. Because it is kind of weird. Because the whole thing is, oh, I had all this power and I couldn't save him. He couldn't save John Kent. And then he finds out that he can save Lois. Mm -hmm. And it's that choice of, well, do I interfere? Do I actually do what, you know, my, you know, Cal, your Jor-El, Marlon Brando tells me not to do? Or do I do what's in my heart I know is right? Yeah. And it's so good. It's so good. This movie's great. I love this movie. Yeah. And I love the interactions between Lois and Superman. Do you love the whole, like, interview section where it's basically, like, foreplay? I mean, it's romantic. How 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 big are you? I mean, tall. Come I mean, on. You know they have to throw in jokes like that. Which, again, this movie is hilarious. It this is. This movie is so good. Uh, but, yeah. Plus, you know, that's a great interview slash first date. It is. It, like, in terms of meet-cute scenes... It's it's up there. It's really nice. It feels organic. It feels funny. It's it's a really cute scene. Yeah. Also, I do have a another thing because we we've mentioned that this has you know a lot of laughs. There's a James Bond villain in it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of action in it. And the this is directed by Richard Donner, who we we've recently lost. He yes. passed away earlier this month, at ninety one. Wow. And he left behind a eclectic career to say the least oh yeah 
he's directed um, The Omen, All Four Lethal Weapons, Goonies, your favorite Christmas movie, Scrooge, yep. and Superman. He's in a score of other movies. And they all vary in genre, tone, all that stuff. Do you think that any other director could have done this? Or do you think Richard Donner was like the perfect choice here? No, I think he was the perfect choice. Mm -hmm. I mean, any director can do any movie, but it takes a special director to put heart into a certain script. And I think we get a lot of heart in this movie. You know, you really feel like you're... You know, seeing uh, Clark's journey through his eyes mm -hmm. instead of just kind of being, you know, off to the side and kind of watching this action movie going on. You're you're traveling this journey with him. I mean, could you imagine if Spielberg had this script or Spielberg was the one who was chosen to do this? Because you know how you, you said, you know, oh, it takes a real special director to put yeah. heart in this. And Spielberg's been accused of being overly sentimental in his movies. Yeah, I think, you know, Spielberg would have done a great job doing Superman, but I think it's just something special. I think all the pieces just happened to land. Mm -hmm. It was supposed to happen the way it happened. Yeah, and to go even further than that, because the script they had in Richard Donner's, like, original vision of the film was going to be, like, a four or five hour epic Whew. which is why this movie got cut into two pieces yeah because that that's another thing this movie started as um superman and then got cut in half and then we got superman 2 which is where we get the payoff of general zod and mm -hmm. and all that stuff so do you do you feel that do you feel that this movie ends in the middle of an overarching story or do you i'm, I'm curious of your thoughts on about that do you think this story still feels whole or is it there's a little bit tacked on at the end to kind of like I, I mean, just polished the end. I mean, I've seen here. Superman 2, so you know that there's more to the story, so it kind mm -hmm. of feels like we're leaving on a bit of a cliffhanger because we have Superman 2. Yeah. But collectively, it, it feels like a good whole first movie. Okay, J just based purely on Superman, though. I know it's hard to not think about Superman 2 because of yeah. General Zod. It's a good movie. It's not as good as Superman 1. But it that's kind of the point where I felt... Oh, yeah, this is... De it's weird, because it's sequel bait, but it's at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Because I'm like, oh, they set up Zod, he's this general, he wants mm -hmm. revenge on Jor-El, and then, you know, the planet explodes, Clark gets run off, and we already see that, you know, Zod and his cronies are sent off to the Phantom Zone. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, when are they gonna come back? And then you have the whole movie, and they don't, and you're like, huh, that's... that's weird. Yeah. But it makes more sense when you get Superman 2. And it might be a thing where you... It feels to me that this movie still had another... Like, there, like when it ends... A second act. It feels like there's a whole second act to the movie. That's why it's like, yes and no to your question. It's like, yes, it feels like this is just part of a movie. But at the same time, leaving it where they did. Okay, I can see where you're like rounding it up to be its own movie. Yeah. By I, leaving Lex Luthor and I can't uh, think of... Uh, was it... Otis? Yes, a, Otis. Uh, leaving them at the... Not the penitentiary. No, yeah, it's a penitentiary. Oh, he takes them to the jail and drops them in there, and he's like, Sir, I got uh, a warden. I've brought you some two villains. And he's like, Who who are these? And Lex Luthor takes his <laughs> terrible wig off. He's like, Lex Luthor, the greatest criminal mastermind in the world. 
And he's like, yeah, all right, we'll find you a room. I love how Gene Hackman just chews the scenery in every scene he's in. Oh, and totally. it's so good. It's so good. I love this movie. You're just so happy. I'm so happy. Like, <laughs> honestly, I thought I'd had this reaction to Captain America and the first Avenger. Oh, no, you're much giddy for this I'm episode. much more giddy for this. I don't know why. It's This movie just feels good. It is. Right? It just... Is it just me or you're watching this and you're just like, you can't help but like smile because it feels like a movie that appeals to that inner child of yours? Yeah, definitely. I mean, who hasn't, you know, tied a towel around their neck and pretended to be Superman? It's true. Also, uh, the opening of this movie where it's that grainy black and white. Oh, I three love by that. Four, where it's, it, and it's the kid's voice and he tells the story of the like the opening of mm-hmm. the movie and I feel that's a very subtle film filmmaker's choice because even if you're not conscious of it, it's implying that you're supposed to look at this story through the lens of a child. Yeah. And it makes you really... I mean, he saves a kitten out of a tree. He does. It's like, and come that's, on. That's after he stops like a, like, a, like a bank heist where there's like a French uh, connection style car chase. I mean, he leaves the boat... With all the people that, you know, were from the heist tied up in front of the police station. It's so, it's so good. There's so you, much you get action a, in here. You get an Officer Mooney, I, yeah, which probably resonated with you. It was wonderful. Uh, where they're like, look, Mooney, like, I'll, I'll buy you the first round of beers if, you know, this is at all true. And he walks out and there's the giant yacht and he's like, all right, I'll go grab my hat, meet you at the bar. It's good. It's so good. Uh, there's, but there's yeah, not a bad line in this. Oh, there is one part in this movie that I think is actually not good, but the rest of it is is amazing. What part was that? Oh, God. You know when they go out flying mm-hmm. and... Can you read my mind? Oh, yeah. That, that was cringe. Right? Oh, <laughs> yeah, I was just like, you guys didn't need that. Just play the music. Have them being flirty. It's like, it's all about the eye contact and just their movements. Him, you know, having her... You know, put her arm out so they both look like they're flying. It's a it's a beautiful sequence, yeah, it, and then Margot Kidder starts doing the poem. It didn't need that. It's so that part of the movie stops the pace cold, mm-hmm. really just makes that scene drag really long. The dial the 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 dialogue in there and the the recitation of that poem is really cringy, and it's not a very it's not a very good reading, to be honest. Margot Kidder on is a great in this yeah. movie. That entire scene, both before that and right after it, is fantastic. Like, it is an amazing performance from her, because she has to play skeptic and play this person who's, like, kind of giddy. She's meeting, like, basically a god. I mean, when we meet her, she's all business. Yeah. He tells her, you know, don't you, you know, take a break or take time to sleep, and she's like, who's got time to sleep, you know? And it's the best part, because she's all business and a terrible speller. Yeah. We have, because it's little things like that where, yeah, she's this, you know, hard-nosed career woman, but she's a human character. Yeah. She's not a caricature. She's a, she's a character, which is really good. Again, murderer's row of, like, screenwriters on this. There's a reason this movie is great. But didn't need the poem. Did not need the poem. Oh, God. I was so glad that, that we agreed on that. Cause that was oh, the no, only I, I was cringing this... last night when I was editing. I was like, ooh, I'm like, why? Why? It's like, I'd forgotten that it was there because... When I picture that scene, I hear, like, the Superman music, and I see them flying flying and holding hands and that, and it's like, okay, I've got that visual, and it's just like, 
oh, and it's like, I must have cut that poem out of my head because it's, it's rough. It's so bad. I can, can you imagine there's a re-edit of this and it just cuts that out? Just that would be that, nice. It, this movie would go from not being on the AFI 100 to, to like, it'd be Superman, Citizen Kane, Vertigo. Mm-hmm. It's like top of the list. This movie's, this movie's fantastic. It is. But yeah, um, I can keep gushing about this if you want, and I'm pretty sure people don't want to hear me <laughs> talking a mile a minute about how much I love this movie. So let's give you a chance to to talk a little bit, to, you know, say things you want to say and, like, ask me questions. What do you want to know? No, I was asking you to ask me things. So oh, you're, ask you're, you questions. Yeah, so you're now in charge of the oh, podcast. Always in charge. Okay, since this makes you so giddy. Yes. Do you remember the first time you watched Superman? I was probably six or seven. I was probably really young the first time I saw this. I feel like a lot of people in our age demographic have probably all watched it at childhood. Probably. Because when we were young, there were not superhero movies, really. There was the no. Batman movies. Yeah. Which, don't get me wrong... Like the the Tim Burton Michael Keaton oh, Batman I, I movies. I love the Michael Keaton Batman movies. Yeah, don't get me wrong, they're they're good, but you can't really show a kid Batman Returns, Batman Two, because there's some weird like pseudo sexual sadomasochism things going on with uh yeah with Catwoman with Catwoman. Also, the Penguin is nightmare fuel. Yeah, your nightmare fuel. Yeah, that was one of the movies I watched during my childhood. So, yeah. Yeah. That's not one of the movies, ideally, you would want to show a child, but I feel like this movie is so much more appropriate. Mm -hmm. It's wholesome to go back to what you were saying. This feels like you're watching it from a child's perspective. Yeah. And, I mean, there's not a lot of blood and gore. I don't think there's any blood blood or gore. And it's also fascinating because we're seeing, like, a really weird, gritty metropolis mm-hmm. you know more in vain of like a new york where it's you know it's the 70s and that's kind of the 70s aesthetic yeah. we, we see a chase sequence we see a pimp is another yeah, thing we do see a pimp which is kind of awesome <laughs> that guy is that guy is, is great you know you got some sweet digs brother and there's a lot of like things in this movie where done wrong would probably not be appropriate because mm-hmm. there's a lot of the dialogue that comes off where it's very obviously hiding sexual undertones underneath it again that whole like meet cute scene mm-hmm. with, with lois, lois and superman like it does not it does not take a lot of digging to know that they are that there's a lot of sexual tension in that scene right yeah what color are my underwear oh do you really want to know starts staring at her crotch <laughs> and she's like mm, mm, okay. never mind never mind never mind He's just like, like you know the you really shouldn't be smoking, you know. Like she's like, why? Because it could give me lung cancer. And then he checks. He goes, not yet. <laughs> she just puts out a cigarette. There's a lot of like subtle bits in this where it's like they're really funny. There's like the like the sexual undercurrent. The writing in this is so good. Yeah. And it walks a lot of fine lines where it's it's funny but not cheesy. It's romantic but not cringy, except for the poem. Yeah. It's there's a lot of action in it without it being dumb there's you know the the conspiracy stuff with lex luthor is ridiculous but you buy it yeah it's great but yeah i saw this when i was like six or seven when i was little okay so i know you are a huge comic book guy huge you know uh superhero movie guy yeah would this be your number one 
of the superhero movies of all time all time um i have gone on record that saying um superman is the bar by which all other superhero films should be measured by mm-hmm. um there's a few that have like been able to like match it go up kind of thing uh dark knight the dark knight oh yeah is very good that movie is an actual just great film there's a it has a commentary on the patriot act in it is like the whole under mm-hmm. theme of that film which is amazing he thought his performance is great um i would say like the first iron man might be up there but mostly because of the historical context it inhabits um there's like maybe two or three other ones spider-man one and two toby mcguire toby mcguire spider-man absolutely those ones are are probably also up there but that's the thing like this movie i would say is an objective an objective masterpiece of this genre it's actual, and I've, I've probably said masterpiece a bunch of times in our podcast lifespan. Yes. But I'm, I don't think I'm being hyperbolic here. It feels like everything in this movie works. Anything in this movie, if you tweak it one way or the other, would fall apart. There's moments of the, there's one mo, there's only one moment of the movie that we could both say is objectively not good. And this is a two and a half hour film. Yeah, it's and a long movie. Longer than I remembered it. Yeah, but for me, it it paced so well. It did. I didn't even feel the length of this movie until we get to that one poem section. And then I'm like, man, this runs kind of long. Yeah. And then that's, but that's it. Usually in these movies, it's either, eh, there's some forgettable scenes. There's some like whatever scenes. And then there's a couple of good scenes. This is like there's a bunch of great scenes and one kind of bad one. Yeah. And other than that, no, this movie's great. I would probably put this if I ha- if if me personally had to rank the top superhero films of all time is in the top three easily mm-hmm. for me. It might be the best superhero film of all time. Um, and again, that hinges a lot on Christopher Reeves, Richard Donner's direction, Gene Hackman as. Lex Luthor and Margot Kidder as Lois Lane because if any of them didn't hit their mark, this movie would fall apart. And it's sad. We were doing our research and a lot of the original cast has passed. Yeah, which makes me really sad because Christopher Reeves had a had an accident. That which, was tragic. Very tragic. I don't know how, how many people know about it now. Now, I'm not sure, but it it was pretty big at the time that it happened. He mm-hmm. was thrown from a horse, and he was paralyzed from the neck down, I believe. Yeah, I think what happened... Yeah, he was riding on a... He was riding on his, like, horseback, fell off, and I think he snapped his neck. Yeah. And he was paralyzed from the neck down, he became a quadriplegic. And that was back in the 90s, I think. Yeah. And then for the rest of his life, he became an advocate for, like, stem cell research, mm-hmm. and an advocate for, like, the disabled... Basically, he He's... spent the last bit of his life living up to, to he, Superman. He is Superman. He is. And it's it's kind of crazy when you think about it. The only actor you can find to play Superman is a guy who is just genuinely Superman. It's it's great. 
And then we we also lost Margot Kidder, sadly. We just lost Ned Beatty last month. Yeah. Him and uh, Richard Donner passed within weeks of each other. Yeah, and then Marlon Brando, he passed away a a long time ago. Yeah, early 2000s, I believe. But we did get to see Fat Brando for, for a few movies, and it cemented his career. I mean, we got... Brando with the white hair, with the curl and the the sick um, the s- turtleneck. Look, Brando is styling in this movie. I wanted I, that turtleneck with the S on it. I was yeah. like, "Woo, he's ballin'. Yeah, okay. Because that's the thing. The design of Krypton, granted, is uh, the vision of the future, quote mm-hmm. unquote, from a let's do a bunch of drugs in the 70s and think what the future's gonna look like, man. Yeah. And it looks, and it looks like a 70s, like, discotheque. I mean, when but... the, when they're all in their tinfoil outfits. Yes, in the tinfoil <laughs> outfits. And, but it still works, even though it's kind of dated, because it still sells the whole futuristic, weird science, whatever. And Brando also just being, again, the acting god that he is, just shows up and is like, I'm going to take this as seriously as if I was reciting Shakespeare. He also would have said it like that because yeah. Brando had contempt for his career. But he's great as Jor-El. Do you also know that he wanted to play Jor-El as a floating uh, suitcase? As a floating suitcase, you say? Yes, that's a real thing because Marlon Brando famously had contempt for his job, directors, and caring. And Richard, he showed up on set. I think he was paid a million dollars a day to do this or like a million dollars for his performance well yeah because i mean at the time he's marlon brando he's the top bill on the the movie yeah and then he was in and he was also in the godfather um he was in streetcar named desire Desire. well i was talking about the 70s yeah the 70s long i mean he came out with the godfather and he was huge he was in apocalypse now yeah and then he's in this gets a million dollars a day or whatever and he's like hey Richard, I really don't want to put pants on today. Could I play Jor-El as a floating suitcase or a ham sandwich that glows green? Richard Donald thought he was joking. Brando was not joking. And then he yelled at Brando for about 20 unbroken minutes, and then they got him on set. <laughs> fine, fine, fine. I'll put the tinfoil on. I'll put the tinfoil on. I'm fucking Brando. But yeah. And then and then there's a lot of other people in the cast who, I don't, who are sadly not with us. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting. Because... Though they're not with us anymore, they have been immortalized in cinema. Oh, yeah. I mean, even going back through, like, my family's pictures, I'm not sure if they took it at our movie land wax museum mm-hmm. in Buena Park that we used to go to as kids. Yeah. But there used to be uh, one of the displays was Superman Christopher Reeves in his, like, ice palace. Oh, in, in the Fortress of Solitude. In the Fortress of Solitude. Mm-hmm. That, that was one of the displays there. And my whole family, my mom's side of the family, like my mom, my Uncle Mario, my grandparents, they're all posed around Superman. So it's like, he has just made such an impact. Yeah. And it's like, my grandparents that really didn't speak too much English. I believe they both grew up in Mexico. They grew up in Mexico, and then they became U.S. citizens and moved from Texas to California. And, you know, still, you know, keeping the tradition of their language, didn't speak, you know, Really strong English, but they love Superman. Yeah. And he is just universally loved. He fights for truth, justice, and the, the American, American way. way. And honestly, even though these people have been lost, they will be forever remembered in the as the portrayal of the greatest cinematic hero of all time, Superman. Superman. 
and I guess that's that's kind of where I'd like to end it. We got a good like immorium. This movie is, I would say, is an objective masterpiece. I would urge everyone to go out and see it. If you have kids, this yeah. is the perfect movie to show your kids. And I think it was a good way to end our tribute to Cinematic Heroes. But next month, we begin the countdown. That's right. We are counting down to Halloween, which means we're doing something a little bit special. We're not going to just do one month of Halloween. Not two months of Halloween. No. We're going to give you three months of horror. Three solid months of wide-ranging, kind of weird, kind of new. Kind of fun. Horror movies. We'll be starting off with August, which is going to be our 80s, 80s horror, horror month. month. You want to you try that one more time? Sure. 80s horror month. Horror month? Horror month. Yes, we're going with horror months. Um, <laughs> then we're going to go to September, which is undead. Undead September. I'll let you do that one. Okay, thanks. And then we finally get there with October. And October is going to be kind of like our playlist of our favorite horror movies. Favorite horror movies, movies we think are great, movies that we think people should watch more. Yeah. And that's going to be our three months counting down to October 31st, Halloween, Boo's favorite day. And maybe we'll finally just break down and become a horror movie podcast like you've always wanted. Yeah, we'll see. But since we're starting with 80s Horror Month next week, I think we need to plug our first pick. Well, the first pick is going to be The Nightmare on Elm Street. The Wes Craven classic. Can't wait to see it. Don't fall asleep. But if they wanted to keep up with that, where can they go? Well, if you want to follow us on social media, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at the Film Club Podcast. And if you want to listen to us on a different platform than you currently are, you can find us on Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and just about anywhere that podcasts are streamed. Would you care to plug your other channels? I would love to. If you want to keep up with our content, the Film Club Podcast, as well as some of our other content, the Double Feature Pictures Show, Too Obscure for TV, you can find that on our YouTube channel in the frame. And with that, Boo, we'll see you next week at the Film Club. Peace.